The way I've always seen it is in order to have any sort of connection with other people, you certainly have to have the connection with yourself straightened out. If you have a wonderful relationship with yourself, you will have loving and wonderful relationships with other people. So it always starts with you first. That was Johnny Zubak. He is one part of the Art of Charm podcast duo. And we talk about it at the start of this episode. They are original podcasters. And Johnny has been developing his wisdom around personal development and in particular, connection, charm and the likes for a good long while now. We're discussing so much in this podcast, mainly focused around the connection we have with ourselves and how important that is, but also how we can have connection with others. He talks about his own life path and how he found his way to the personal development field, how confidence comes from knowing who we are. One of my favorite parts is where he discusses the three levels of vulnerability and why disclosure and how we do it is important. And we talk about self-definition and self-expression. So many good little juicy pieces in here. If you want to find more about Johnny, you can find the Art of Charm podcast or follow the Art of Charm over on Instagram or your other social media platforms. But without further ado, let's get the conversation started with Johnny. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Johnny, this is fun to have you on here to thrive. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to speak with us. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fantastic. I was looking forward to it all week and I am fully caffeinated and ready to chat. Oh, I'm so impressed. I, uh, <laughs> I too have had a big coffee this morning, so we should be full of beans quite literally. Yes. <laughs> Johnny, you are one part of the two-part show that is the art of charm. And I mean, in terms of podcast history, you guys are like OG. Yeah. You know, we started in 2007 and this was before Joe and the, and the art of charm itself has evolved over the years. I mean, this is close to 15 years certainly cultural shifts and waves and technology shifts and waves. And you and I were even talking about that earlier. And it's been a challenge just to continue riding along and following along with all the, the shifts when it comes to what's going on culturally, technology-wise, and then, of course, the self-development space and all of its, its evolution. And... I certainly remember 
when telling people what a podcast was just got you an odd look because they certainly don't remember uh, or they didn't know what it was at that point. And then also, I remember reaching out to publicists to get their authors and, and people on our show. And at that time, publicists hanging up on me, telling me not to call back, having me go, well, pod what? I don't, I don't even understand. What are you talking about? And just getting the cold shoulder. And I'm sure, as as you do, uh, now I, my inbox is full of publicists trying to get their authors and movie people and whatever on the show, which is <laughs> quite hilarious because we couldn't, we had to beg, pound on doors endlessly and, and also educate people on what a podcast was, how large our audience was. And I certainly remember when those articles were coming out in the early 2000s about podcasting and that they were going to be the future. And I remember snickering about it <laughs> and, and even uh, happy to have been a part of that. But, well, those articles were quite right, weren't they? They were quite right. You know, when you say 2008, I can remember I was working in consulting in New Zealand and my colleague, he, he said to me, you've got to start listening to podcasts. And I was literally like, what the hell are you talking about? And he was riding the early wave with you, Johnny. I was a little bit behind, I will admit. I want to know more about it. You said the ride. How has it been? How have you had to evolve over this period? Well, there's, as I mentioned, there's many different areas in which over 15 years, there's going to be an incredible amount of change. The Art of Charm itself has shifted in personnel. There has been uh, partners who've been in and out of the company. AJ and I have been here since the beginning. And our vision for what we set out to do hasn't changed. And that's why we're still here and we're still doing it. Where other people had come into the fold and left because, well, people grow, people change their mind, people get interested in other things. So for AJ and I, our love, our vision hasn't changed. So we're still here because of that. Now, as for podcasting itself, it certainly has gotten easier as people be, became educated about what it is and seems that social media and podcasting is just another form of social media. Doesn't everyone have their own podcast nowadays? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I have noticed. Everyone does seem to have their podcast. Yeah, which is great and quite interesting. And, and we're also at a place where the definition of a podcast is sort of muddied, right? Uh, people say, well, here's my podcast and it's a YouTube video that is a podcast. Or I just did, you know, I do um, interviews on Instagram every week. I'll do something where I'll reach out to a guest or somebody who I'm interested in speaking to. And they view that as a Insta Live is sort of like a podcast. And so we're now getting into this area where technology is developed to such a degree that everything is sort of muddied. But I think we are now going to determine what we define everything as and how we use the technology to suit our needs rather than technology being developed for a certain purpose, if that makes sense. 
It totally makes sense. So, Johnny, one of the reasons I really did want to have you on the show is that the theme for the Here to Thrive podcast for February is human connection. And obviously, this has been a crucial element, human connection, influence, relationships, charisma, for all of the work that you and AJ have done with the art of charm. How did you get on that life path? How did this become an interest or a passion for you? Well, for for myself, in my 20s, I'm now 47. In my 20s, I was playing in rock and roll bands. I grew up wanting to play rock in rock and roll bands. My father played in a band on the weekends at the corner bar. And I used to roadie for his band. And I would be going to bars in the Midwest at 14 years old to roadie for my dad. (laughs) It's brilliant. It's brilliant, Johnny. And and I was obsessed with all of that culture, the going to the mall and and buying a record that you've been waiting for for, and hearing about for three months and it's finally arrived and you take it home and you put on the record and then the, or the CD or the tape and you stare at the cover and you, and you, examine and you consume every piece of it from the producer to the engineer to every lyric and the artwork. And there was so much ritual and symbolism and tradition and all of that. And I found that incredibly intoxicating as a young child who grew up with his father performing and connecting those dots. And as I had gotten older and athletics started to separate some of the young guys and they started getting attention from the ladies. Well, for myself, it was like, what is going to be my thing? Oh, well, there's all this music and that's what I'm extremely interested in. And of course, you just, all those pieces, it was a natural progression for me. And so I grew up wanting to do that. I moved to North Carolina, playing music, being in bands, working in venues and rock clubs. And as my 20s were winding down, the industry that I wanted to be a part of all of my life has changed rapidly and to a place where it was, well, it was completely different from what I wanted to be a a part of. It was unrecognizable. And I was staring into my 30s thinking, well, do you even want to continue doing this? Because what you signed up for, the industry that you wanted to be a part of, it really doesn't exist. And social media was starting to creep in. And we're talking about friends there in my space. And I just knew that if if what I wanted to be a part of is so unrecognizable to me now, well, what's the future even going to hold? And the music that I liked, it was just like, very raw, pummeling rock and roll. And it was, so that was, even what I was interested in and performing was like pass A. <laughs> it was like, what is going on? You know, so I decided moving into my thirties, it's like, let's detach from all of this and start asking myself some hard questions that I've never spent any time figuring out or having to answer. From a very early age, I just decided on on a path. So I chose self-development as an opportunity to reflect and discover 
a lot of things about myself that I had not taken the time to figure out through my 20s. And it was at that point that one obsession was taken over by the, the newest obsession, which was self-development and helping others and connection and psychology and philosophy. And, and it, it just grew from there. And of course, because I'm a very obsessive person, I wanted to be surrounded by other people who were involved in self-development. One thing led to another, and I'm now finding myself involved in, in helping others, helping young men get their lives together and, and be the best that they can be. And that had led into a chance of meeting AJ on a, a weekend workshop, self-development workshop. And he, at the time, had been dabbling in podcasts and, and getting the a podcast started and over that weekend we had discussed about self-development and the future and what we wanted to do and we had decided to to team up with that and move to new york to begin and start the art of charm i love how kind of magical it is that you had this chance meeting with aj and look at what came out of it has connection always come easily and naturally for you, or is it something that you had to work on? The way I've always seen it is in order to have any sort of connection with other people, you certainly have to have the connection with yourself straightened out. If you have a wonderful relationship with yourself, you will have loving and wonderful relationships with other people. So it always starts with you first. And I had not spent any time getting to know myself and that was difficult and you can, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. I mean, my time playing in rock and roll was spent chasing a rock and roll lifestyle. I mean, I was working in bars on, and, and when I wasn't working, I was on the road, I was on tour and I was fully uh, influenced by having that sort of lifestyle and, 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 and chased it. And I fully believe that all young folks should lose themselves a bit in order to, to find themselves. Uh, it's difficult to, to really discover who you are if you don't have to reel yourself back in. And I certainly had a, uh, put in a lot of effort to be able to do that. And it was certainly a difficult task to rein myself in, but it certainly there was a lot of benefit in learning about routine and habits and how the environment that you live in is dictated by the habits and routines that you put together. So all of this was an, an attempt and a journey and finding out who I was, and then being able to to develop the relationships that I wanted to to have. And I, you know, at forty seven, I still have issues with that because I grew up in a in a family where my my parents got divorced in my teens, and I'm a I'm a bit of obs uh, an obsessive, and I like my alone time. And I th I think all of us have that journey in, in some way or another. As you're saying that, it's it's authenticity is at the core. And I completely 
have been on that same journey, Johnny, you know, of losing myself a little bit in my 20s, having to come into my 30s and finding myself. And I'm not sure if most of us even have any idea who we are in our 20s, right? (laughs) But it is that knowing of myself that when I reflect on it, being so sure of who I am that has allowed me to show up in a real and authentic way with others. Yeah, there's a lot of confidence in discovering who you are and understanding the habits and routines you've put together in order to gain traction in your life and get to know yourself. There is the confidence that you will gain from that allows you to show up in any situation with a smile on your face, because at least at a base level, you know who you are. So that allows you to to show up and be present. If you don't, then you're too you're too focused inward uh, and with your self-esteem and rattle with a lot of anxiety of what is going what other people are going to see. But if you've done all that work and you know who you are and you've built yourself, then you are proud to to be able to to show up in that manner. I'm a little bit I'm a little bit mind blowing, Johnny, because, you know, it sounds so simple, but yet applying this sort of lens to my own life, it is the thing that has been mind blowing because I think about back in the day when I started Here to Thrive, I was embarrassed to even tell people that I read self-help books. I <laughs> And part of so much of my own confidence and being able to connect with people is is exactly as you have said, I'm really so certain of who I am that their judgment doesn't impact me in the same way that it might have. I'm far less obsessed with trying to win the approval of other people. I'm much more interested in having the approval of myself. Oh, it's it's wonderful. You can I, I can imagine, well, I've I've been through it where Having to explain to my rock and roll friends the new path that I was on and they're looking at me and just being utterly confused. And and I would imagine for yourself, it was the same was once you start that path of getting to know yourself, you have to begin letting go of any of the, the influences or people that don't want you to go on that discovery because there's a possibility for them either A, that they're going to lose you, or that B, they'll be faced with their own dilemma and their their own inadequacies as they see you grow. And that's, that's difficult for anyone to deal with, but it's the truth and the fact of the matter. Yeah, it absolutely is. Is it fair to say that you see confidence as a precursor to authentic connection with others? Hmm. I I don't think so. The confidence helps you show up in a manner that you want to show up. But authenticity, you don't need to be confident to be authentic. You just have to be open and vulnerable. And I think that's where the it's difficult. I know a lot of people who are not very confident, but they're willing to be vulnerable. And they're and they're willing to be open about where they could use help and where they are working on themselves. 
But I just think you have to be you have to be willing to be vulnerable, to be authentic. And as you get older, I think that confidence uh, comes into play as you as you realize that your vulnerability helps with your connections. And most people are good people and want the best and, and want to help others. We're, we're all social animals at the end of the day. And you'll get comfortable with being vulnerable. That takes time. Life in itself, just the nature of it, tends to be filled with trauma, drama, loss for all of us. So the, the older we get, the more we dust ourselves off and the more comfortable we get with life cycles, confidence just comes into play. Vulnerability, I couldn't agree more. I feel like when I'm thinking of people, you know, vulnerability is like a quick route to connection. If I feel like I know something about you, like you're not giving me the surface level bullshit, that's when I can connect with you. Do you feel the same way that like, when someone's willing to open up and I would, I would do the little caveat of appropriately, right? Like it's not like you want to dump your crap on a complete stranger and that may not lead to connection. Would, would you agree with me on that? Absolutely. And in fact, I think Brene Brown coined a term called floodlighting where you just open up and dump all of this heavy stuff on somebody and expect them to accept you. There's, three levels to vulnerability and rapport building that we have to acknowledge and appreciate. And number one is a light disclosure, which is lighthearted, amusing, fun anecdotes about yourself and the world around you. And if I told you about a time I was in third grade, sitting in the cafeteria with friends, about to shake my chocolate milk, only in that moment to realize I had already opened it and chocolate milk went everywhere. I'm giving you this embarrassing story, but yet this was time has passed and there's no risk or any way for you to use that information to manipulate me. So it's it's low risk, but yet the emotional bids there are going to be surprise, embarrassment, even shame maybe. And of course, there's plenty of stories in your own life that you were able to con- to connect with and and share back to make that connection. That next level is gonna be medium disclosure. And now we're dealing with information that's more risky that could be used to manipulate me, which would be beliefs, opinions, feelings, and ideas about myself and the world around me. And then lastly, of course, uh, high disclosure is going to be the understandable human weakness, which would be our fears and insecurities. If you know what I fear or I am insecure about in life, well, certainly you could use that information to manipulate me. And that's going to be at a much higher risk. And I'm only going to share that information with those who are the closest to me who have earned that information. Mm, I have, you know, I follow Brene Brown's work, but I have not heard that, that kind of staggering of the vulnerability and the, and the disclosure. And that makes so much sense because I do think a lot of people have grabbed onto her message of vulnerability and, as you just said, done the whole floodlighting thing and been like, well, but I'm being honest and open. It's like, whoa, the relationship was not ready for that yet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In terms of you mentioned that you're a person that likes your own space, would you identify as an introvert, Johnny? That's 
interesting. My, <laughs> You're like, that's you know, interesting. AJ would not consider me an introvert, but I, I would have to say I'm more of an ambivert because for somebody who's willing and loves to be on stage and performing and, and I love that, that idea. And I, and, and I love that form of self-expression. However, I don't like crowded places. And I also, I don't own a television or I, if I'm not working, I'm usually reading. So there's these two complete personalities that you would run into and in meeting me. One is going to be a bit more studious and, and comprehensive in psychology and philosophy, and we can discuss these things all day. And then the other one is going to want to go out drinking beers and, and argue about the greatest Rolling Stones album. <laughs> Johnny, you and I, we share a lot of, of things in common. I am certainly an ambivert, and I don't think the ambiverts of the world get enough credit. No, we don't. Like, it's allowed. We can be these kind of walking contradictions because as far as I'm concerned, personality is not as simple as two ends of a spectrum. So I'm with you and I get it. The reason I ask that question is, in your line of work, do you feel like even the quieter types need human connection? 100%. And there was a meme that started when the pandemic kicked off that I was laughing about. Because everyone was like, well, I'm an introvert. Doesn't bother me. My life doesn't change. And the, and basically the meme was just showing how important human connection was to even to all of us, including introverts, where we're even we would be timing the, the time that we take out our trash so that we would run into the neighbor just to say hello, because we've been put in in such an isolated situation that there is going to that human tendency and craving for connection will become overwhelming. Now I can tell you being an ambivert, the extroverted part in me is climbing the walls <laughs> where the introvert, he's totally cool. We visit the neighbor and we say hello and I get on zoom calls and chat with family but it is it is definitely uh, a fight dealing with, with all this. But but to the the point of your question, we all crave connection. It's just that some of us like it in smaller doses than others. Mm. So I know that you do a lot of work with sort of people and in the workplace. I'm kind of interested because. I see our lives, as you just said, all of us are socially connected. We all need social connection. When we are in situations where perhaps we're not with those people that are our nearest and dearest, like the workplace, how can we make positive first impressions? I love that question. So it is dependent on how you want to show up and you want to be seen. It's important to understand that we are we are expressing ourselves well before we open our mouths and start speaking. And that presentation and that self-expression is going to be in our presentation, how we dress, how we stand. It's going to be in the words that other people use to explain who we are and introduce us. And all of those need to be congruent and sustaining that the same message. And Energy is a very easily transferable thing. 
And the energy that we bring in or carry with us is going to speak loudly about who we are. So the first thing is show up in a positive manner. Show up with a smile on your face. It's the first thing that anyone is going to see uh, from you. And, it, and it's going to give the very first Im impression about who you are. A big smile, laughing, enjoying yourself. That goes a long way in getting people to take interest in who you are. Mm. You know, coming back to what we were saying about confidence earlier and my own nature, being an ambivert, I can be very sort of loud, gregarious, outgoing with people I know well, but I have pretty high levels. I would say I've worked hard at it and I'm much better, but you put me in a crowded room of people I do not know and holy crap, like I want to sink into the floorboards, like I want to disappear and I'm not confident in those situations. And coming back to what you said earlier, if you don't have to be confident to show up and make connections. Holy crap, I fake it all the time, Johnny. Like I purposely go into a room like that, say a bigger room or a networking event, and I put my shoulders back and I walk in with a smile on, even though it feels like the complete opposite of what is going on internally for me. Very interesting. And there's a, there's a movie, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's called Pulp Fiction. It's a very famous movie. I'm sure most people have seen it. And there's a specific scene that I always point to that where you have to understand the situation that you're walking into and how you want to show up and be congruent in that situation. So, for instance, there is Vince Vega and Sam Jules are going to the apartment with the suitcases in the beginning of the movie and they're talking about Big Macs and, and they're being silly and they're having fun and they're just being guys in a car having a conversation. They pull up to that building and I believe it was Jules turns to Vince and he says, get in character. Meaning we we're, we're now have to play a role. How are we going to walk in? If we're supposed to walk in and be the most intimidating people that these kids have ever seen, then we're going to need to flip some switches uh, in order to show up in that manner. That is no different than any of us going to a networking event or a job interview to get in character, to present who it is we want them to see and fake it till we make it. As you get older and you get more comfortable flipping on those switches when you need to, it becomes second nature. If this is something that is brand new, well, it will be a bit uncomfortable. It will feel a bit weird. You may even feel inauthentic because this is going to be new for you. But you also know what the end result needs to be and what you are working towards. So you can either do yourself a favor and help yourself out, or you can make this incredibly difficult for yourself and fight yourself in the, the whole way and hope for the best. Now, I know how I wanna to go into that room. I know how I wanna help myself out with this. So I'm going to show up. I am gonna throw my shoulders back. I am gonna put on a smile. And I am going to allow myself to work to become the person that I'm pretending to be. Uh, that's why fake it till you make it is such a powerful idea. But it's also why so many people get nervous about it because they hear the word fake it. 
but there's, there's no faking it. You have to help yourself out to become the person that you want to show. Mm, yeah, I think of it in terms of that lens of uh personality I come from that background of personality psychology and and I say to every person I work with just because your natural disposition falls one way or other doesn't mean that you don't have the choice to show up differently and that's exactly what I'm kind of hearing here is you've got to you've got to take responsibility for who you want to be and how you want to show up and 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 take those actions right 100%. And the other thing about it is I have to take those same measures when I'm doing things for the first time where I know I'm going to be learning, meaning that I have to set myself up to to be open to knowing that I'm about to walk into a situation or to go online into a new program or platform that I've never used before and be completely overwhelmed and be open to being overwhelmed as I slowly figure it out and and see how intuitive it the the, it, the platform might be. And as I slowly learn how to crop this picture in this platform or do this thing. And I, I, I always laugh about this. I always say that when it comes to technology, I'm always at the level of my incompetence. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a never ending series of, of frustration and beating myself up because I'm tr- I'm trying to ad- adapt with all the, the technology. I'm trying to be as resourceful as I can. I'm, tr- I'm tr- trying to be up to date as I'm maybe working on a new thing for Instagram or, or what, whatever it might be. And there's learning involved. And for anyone who may be having an entrepreneurial spirit, there's this idea, well, you just don't worry about the things you don't know. Hire people to do those things. Well, that's a great idea if the people that you're hiring are very knowledgeable about what they're doing. Unfortunately, there's a lot of folks out there who do a lot of poor work. And if you're not able to monitor how they're going about your publicity or marketing, how are you supposed to know if if what's happening is the way it's supposed to be working, or uh, they're hitting their their marks. If you have no uh, familiarity with any of these things, then then you're not going to be able to monitor the situation, and you're going to find yourself in a worse situation because you handed over the controls to other people. And so, it's a it's it's very good for you to be. And this is the fixed mindset over a growth mindset of constantly finding opportunities to grow and and strengthen yourself. Oh, I love it. You know, it reminds me of uh, coming back to Brene Brown, her concept of fucking first times, right? Like just (laughs) recognizing that a fucking first time or an FFT as she calls it, they're going to be uncomfortable, but the discomfort is part of the growth. So ride the damn wave. There is nothing wrong. Oh yeah, and it's at this point, I'm just so used to being overwhelmed with technology uh, that I, I've given myself just a lot of space to fumble through stuff, and uh, that has helped me out immensely. Where I'm not, I'm not upset with myself. I'm not beating myself up. I'm not wanting to throw my computer out the window. <laughs> you persist now, Johnny. You persist. Yeah, exactly. 
When we're talking about showing up, and you mentioned energy earlier, and that we are speaking and communicating with people before a word comes out of our mouths. Would you say the same is true when we apply that to technology? Are people, are we speaking through other mechanisms rather than just the the words we throw on a page these days? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is where music and self-development tie together because it's all about expression and self-expression. And from the clothes that you wear to the language that you use to the art that you create, anything that you create is a is an expression of how you might be feeling or what you're seeing. I, I view myself as an artist just because I, I have that background. And in, in doing the Art of Charm and working with so many people, thousands of, of men and women over the last 15 years, I have encountered so many people who are afraid to express themselves or are learning to express themselves. I had music from a very early age. As I mentioned, I was uh, playing. I don't remember when I wasn't playing guitar and, and helping my dad as a teenager but to encounter somebody in their 20s who are scared to express themselves, well, you can imagine how difficult that's going to be to reach the goals that they have set out for themselves if, the, if they're that timid. And so uh, self-expression it can be done in, in so many different ways. Uh, the, it, it is something that we all should take out time to get comfortable with. Oh, that is, that one gets me, self-expression. And I can totally, it totally makes sense to me how growing up with music, how you were already versed in that skill, if you like. But you're 100% right that if, if we hold ourselves back from the world, if we don't feel comfortable showing up and adding our contribution, then we are stopping ourselves from being a part of that social fabric of the connection of all of it, right? Well, this is where the technology works for and against us because anything that you create online, well, other people are going to to see it. You know, just for our audience, as I was setting up uh, Skype to get up with you, I accidentally hit the call earlier and I was laughing about this. Now, I'm used to that because I do this all the time and those sorts of mistakes happen. But I've also been with people who I'm showing, uh, for instance, I was on Instagram Live and I was showing somebody how to use it. And they're like, oh, this is so cool. I'm like, yeah, what do you want to say? And they're like, wait, you mean we're live right now? I'm like, yeah. And they started freaking <laughs> out. And I'm like, there was four people who popped on her and who even knows if they were actually See, but everything is recorded now. Everything, we have we have young people who are walking around with all their deepest secrets, kinks, mistakes, and failures in their pocket. How are you supposed to detach and make changes in your life to become who it is you want to, to be if you're stuck holding on to the past. And I worry about that because I do see young people who don't have an opportunity or who are not free 
in making mistakes because when you live your life online, it's all recorded. I'm, I'm a bit nervous of, of the result of that. What is the impact of that going to be? And are we going to have a whole generation who is afraid to put themselves out there? Or will there be a, a ridiculous gap between those who have learned to express themselves online and those who haven't? And will that gap create uh, inequalities? I don't know. It's it's interesting to see how this is going to play out. It is interesting. And then even in light of our conversation and coming back to those sort of three levels of vulnerability, which you could marry up to expression, where is the middle ground here with self-expression, but not sort of spilling your guts out to everyone so it's going to come back and bite you on the ass? <laughs> yes. And I, I see... I, you know, there's so much stuff that goes online and every time I get a glimpse of what the kids are doing, I'm utterly terrified. I don't know if it's just me being older or, or what. I'm like, even if, even Instagram, if you go on to the discovery of Instagram, there is, and they just, they, they fill it up with scantily clad, uh, teenage girls doing all these suggestive dances and I'm like, oh my God. Now, listen, young people are always going to be preoccupied with sex. They, they're not gonna be able to help it. I was a, a young man myself and preoccupied with sex. The chemicals and hormones are flooding your system. Uh, there is a reason for that and you're not going to escape that. However- <laughs> I love it, however. Oh, online. Well, that you know, and when I was a young man, and I, we were performing, there was a I went through a stage where what I was doing performance performance wise on stage was was way out there and and flamboyant and as crazy as I could make it because we were trying to get attention and eyes to the band and what we were doing. And sometimes when you're playing in a club and everyone's preoccupied or you're trying to get their attention. So you are going out of your way to do that. But, but that performance is done and you leave and you go home and you can either, you, you can forget all about it and think about how you're going to go about getting people's attention the next time. But when you're putting it online and it's recorded, well, I don't know. Is it going to be that easy to escape from? Mm. And right, it's about like when we're talking about self-expression, it's about learning, learning, right? Like we all learn and there's certainly been times in my self-expression where I feel like I have, you know, it's like the pendulum swinging. Like I've gone a little too far. I've come back to the middle. Right. Finding that middle ground takes a bit, takes yes. a bit of time. Yep. Johnny, I ask a few intermission questions of my guests, so I'm going to hit you with them now. Are you ready? Sure. What is your favorite self-care activity? <laughs> well, I love I love working out, and uh, I also I love running. And it's been a little bit cold out here in Vegas, so I haven't been out. But I'm looking forward to it getting a little bit warmer. Uh, I guess exercise running that's what i can do now and that's how i take care of myself you're saying though that it's cold in vegas and we were talking about how i live in minneapolis i mean how cold johnny are you are you getting a bit 
Well, let's just say at night, it's 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 like it's in the high 30s at this point. Okay, I'll give it to you. I thought it might be like 60 degrees. I was going to give you a hard time. You uh, know, people don't think of Vegas in the winter as, as cold, but we're in the desert. It's a very cold air. It's just snowed on the strip on Tuesday. Okay, I'll give it to you then. I, I don't think you need to be running outside. <laughs> Uh, is there a book that you can think of that has perhaps touched you at an important time in your life? Yes, uh, there's a book called The Art of Possibility, and it is written by Benjamin Zander. And that book allowed me to understand and want to communicate and to the best of my ability. And and understanding that the words that I chose to express myself, the language that I've chose, is incredibly important. And, and, there, and it plays multiple roles. And it plays a role in, in my own programming. Everything you say consciously is programming your su uh, su subconscious. Uh, it also goes into how others relate. And then, of course, marketing-wise or persuasion and influence the words, the language, the structures, that all plays a, a role in how other people receive the messages. So uh, that was one of the concepts in that book that blew my mind and that I had never put much thought towards in the past. Oh, I'm going to have to look that one up. It sounds good. Johnny, what's a life lesson that took you a good long while to learn? Patience. <laughs> Tell me more. I think that goes with a lot of people. The older you get, the you have, you don't have a choice but to learn and understand patience as you slowly start to learn things, and to go back to the level of my incompetence with technology. Patience has been key in allowing me to adapt and learn new things and to be able to incorporate new technology in the make to make my own life easier and as difficult as it may seem at times and as frustrated as i can get with myself it is to take a deep breath to to give myself some credit that it's that I'm working with something new and that it's okay and that I will learn it and maybe even master it at least for my needs and purposes just like anything else that I had put my my mind to oh I like that take a deep breath Johnny just channel <laughs> the patience with your discovery of personal development do you ever consider the soul or something outside of us and if so, what kind of language would you put to that? That is one of the greatest journeys that I think a lot of us go on in self-discovery. Um, it is the, the, the journey of philosophy. And that journey for all of us, as we get older, as we experience different things, as we see the world change, as things happen culturally, we're looking at philosophical systems. And I have my own journey that I am on right now. The way I see myself in the world 
and how the world works is different to me now than how I would have answered this question in my 20s. It is different than how I would have answered it in my 30s. And I would imagine at 47, it's going to be different how I look at it in my 50s. So, but to answer your question specifically, I, it is in, a, in relation to how you see yourself in the world and, and, and how you want to interact with it. Having a, a negative disposition and attitude will get you those results of having that sort of mindset in the world. I certainly learned through my, my life that changing up my disposition of being a positive person, to look for the silver lining, to give value to help others first and foremost before helping my myself or looking to get value for myself and understanding that I can get value for myself through helping others has given me a better lens to view myself in the world and maneuver through it and getting those results. As I get older, as I continue my philosophical journey, how I relate to the world might might change, but I'm liking the results that I'm getting with in, in this manner, and I'm going to continue to follow that and see where that leads. Mm, I like it. Okay, final one of this uh, few intermission questions, Johnny. What does fulfillment mean to you? Hmm. I guess there's some aspects of, of that. There is a there is a mission and goals that we all have, and we want to be fulfilled there. And then there is also each day that we wake up, how we extract value throughout the day. And are we taking advantage of each and every day? And there's a there is a fulfillment there. This is why so many people have difficulties going to sleep. And we hear about people staring at the ceiling, having anxiety, um, dealing with insomnia, feeling as if life is slipping by them one day at a time and they're not uh, getting any satisfaction or fulfillment out of it. And what are we going to do to, to feel better about how we engage in each day? For myself, I'm huge in uh, ACT, acceptance, commitment, therapy, and a value-based and value-based living. And I can I can speak confidently that when I discovered value-based living, that how I engaged in each and every day changed, and it also allowed me to go to bed easily, happily, uh, excited for the next day, and so there is a, a fulfillment that I have been able to engage with there through value-based living, which the values have been backwards engineered from what, from my goals so that every day that I engage in those values, I'm getting one day closer to the goals that I had set out for myself. Oh, I'm also a big fan of ACT and values-based living, Johnny. One final question as we wrap up today, this has been a joy. But Johnny, if the Here to Thrive listeners take nothing else from this entire conversation, what is one thing you would like to leave them with? Well, let's just go from the last question that you asked about f fulfillment. 
uh, I would ask all of them to think about what their core values are, what is most important for them, and to arrange their day and their weeks in how they are going to engage in those values and to uh, reflect on those values every six months to a year to make sure that you're still engaging in what's important to you so that you're not leaving points on the board and that you can go to bed happy and that you feel that you have won the day and that you've extracted what you needed out of it to, to feel good. Because if you're feeling good, then you're helping others around you feel good. That was Johnny Zubak from The Art of Charm. I feel like there were a bunch of golden nuggets in there and it's one of those episodes where we covered so many different things from self-expression to knowing ourselves being a cornerstone of confidence to vulnerability to the soul and the journey we're all on. Fascinating. If you want to find out more about the work that Johnny and AJ do, you can head to theartofcharm.com. You can also find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and check them out on social media. I'm a fan of theirs over on Instagram. Next month, the theme is on self-reflection, one of my favorite things like ever. And we will be going back to the every other week release schedule. So happy 2021, people. In the meantime, I've just got onto Clubhouse. And if you don't know much about Clubhouse, Google search it first. But it's kind of like a podcast meets Instagram. It's like audio interaction in a live conversational format. And if you're listening to this before the 1st of March, I am planning to do a Here to Thrive in conversation on the 1st of March at 12 p.m. Central Time. So come and join me. Like, let's chat, people. Let's chat. And if you guys show up there, I will certainly continue doing them every other week. So we'll see how we go with it, right? Experiment. You can find me over there at Kate Snowwise. Or maybe, I don't know what will happen if you search here to thrive. We'll make it a club if we, if we get going well. But in the meantime, it's at Kate.Snowwise. All right, team. In the meantime, if we don't get to chat on March the 1st, take care of yourself and keep thriving, beautiful people. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.